0: This is Chaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to Chaka Art Speak. I'm Ryan Latario, and I'm here with my co-host Gareth Blackwell. Gareth, what's your middle name? Carrington. Gareth Carrington Blackwell. Yeah. Um. So we we've decided that we're gonna start calling him Carrington. <laughs> and uh, just now, just now. And by no. we, we don't mean we. <laughs> yeah, the royal we. <laughs> it's the royal we. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. So we're back again, and we're um. You know we've been working through this rethink series, yeah, uh, pretty extensively. And uh, you know, I think one of the things, um, kind of a way I've been thinking about uh, the two ways of looking at this. One way to think about it is it's kind of like Frankenstein, where a bunch of pieces are being
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, spliced together. Yeah, you know, as stitched together as a conversation, and you kind of get the clumsy beast that is misunderstood and causes as much damage as it does good. And then the town village lights torches and
2: <laughs> I don't like where this metaphor is going.
0: <laughs> takes out the beast, um, and by beast I mean all of the rethink podcast yeah, yeah. episodes. Um, but the other way to think about it is that we're we're assuming a hole, and then we're looking at the beast that is, and we're the town village. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we're taking no. We're um, in all seriousness. No, we're looking at the hole, and then we're um, kind of kind of isolating pressure points yeah that that are adjacent to being an artist because to be an artist you know or a designer or a maker of any kind is to is a a fundamentally human thing yeah um creativity mm-hmm. the the intelligence behind it the resources um the inner interplay between people um you know from going to the art store or uh, you know walking down the street and finding some wood in the back of a shed whatever it is 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 a is a human endeavor and um We've lived long enough as modern people being makers with a, a huge uh, kind of abundant resource in art history mm-hmm. that there are a lot of a givens that are assumed about what it means to be an artist. Yeah. And I think, I think we've, we've ran those courses for so long that, um, you know, I think just to kind of recap, we felt like it's kind of good to go and look under the hood of those assumptions and rethink them. Um, because I think we don't have to just assume sort of the telephone game version of what's been handed down to us. Yeah. And of course that's uncomfortable because it could mean responsibility to reasonableness. So I, I'm hearing something that's reasonable and now I feel responsible f- to it in the sense that I'm like, gosh, if I agree with these guys, I got to change. Change is really hard. I mean, so number yeah. one is it's really difficult to change. It's 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 easy to recognize the need for it. But it's oftentimes very much a process and not a, uh, you know, it's not analogous to the press of a button and the download of an app. Yeah. It's actually much more of an undergoing of a process. And it's it's awareness put into practice repeatedly. And, um, and then I still think there's a lot more that we can't get into now that down the road we will as far as, you know, quote unquote change. Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of recap, um, I think it's important for people to have a reminder that as we kind of chip away at these, these are small parts of a larger whole. they're yeah. not they're not the big the big enchilada, if you will, and you know it, as you look through the rethink topics, um what we press at implicates what could be there in place of it, you know, so even if we can't get all the way at what should be there in place of it, we're at least trying to like poke at things and mm-hmm. and make press on some pressure points, and you know we we always call this a conversation starter, yeah um. Yeah, yeah, I like that you you
2: said uh, look under the hood because the way I've been thinking about it the whole time is kind of like a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's <clears throat> say that you know I'm driving around and uh, on the passenger side I start to hear this like squeak as I turn. I'm like, okay, maybe who knows? Some dust got down there or something. And a rat? You know, <laughs> yeah, a rat's just down there.
0: Meep, 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 meep.
2: So something's there. I go and check out what it is, and I find out that like you know one of my tie rods is bad. I got to replace it, so I replace that. Well, now that I've replaced that, it's shorn up a few things. And now I find out, oh, that, that means that the bearings have been compensated in a way that now those are bad, and now I know about that. Mm-hmm. And then I fix that. And then I find out, oh, the tires actually are worn the wrong way because mm-hmm. of how they were leaning, because of how they were compensated. You're describing my car right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm describing every car I've ever owned. That,
0: especially ones driving in Richmond.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, and the back end and the exhaust is hanging all out because of the four-foot yeah. deep potholes. Um, but no, like all of these things, like you, sometimes we can find that everything operates well because everything that is out of sync is out of sync together. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about rethinking, like it'd be great to say, Hey, here's the one thing you need to rethink. And suddenly mm-hmm. your career as an artist is now a hundred percent comprehensive and good and everything's in alignment. Um, but that's not, that's not what any of this is. It really is. Um. It, it, is a, it is a rethinking in a total sense, a mm-hmm. um, uh, time to pause and kind of think through that because um, wrong thinking paired with other wrong thinking or if you don't like that terminology, um, imprecise or assumptive thinking, off thinking, off yeah. thinking, yeah, yeah. prepared with imprecise or assumptive thinking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they prop each other up to where you can't notice that both are raw yeah. off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really how this all fits together. So if you've been listening and you're like, what's what's the what's the last nail in the coffin? What's the home run you're going to hit? the home run is is the totality of understanding that we we don't we don't achieve that point if if we've stopped rethinking we've probably we've probably become something pretty terrible
0: yeah you know like if you for effort things said like you know reformed always reforming or you could said rethink always rethinking <laughs> which is not to become complacent in in uh not able to move forward and do things but um you know one of the ways that i would kind of couch uh this whole thing is to and this is going to bear on our topic today is to kind of say, um, something that's lost is, is just the focus on, or, uh, a general awareness of like the, um, the character of a person. Mm-hmm. So the, the character of a person informs the nature of the things that we do. Yeah. And so we, we do have a, a bit of a, um, we have a nose for um outliers to that statement that i just made mm-hmm. especially in the art so we have examples that have become archetypal of um what an artist is and they're eccentric mm-hmm. uh maybe rebellious uh towards whatever they're rebelling against and we've taken um uniqueness and normalized it as, as sort of a par for the course standard mm-hmm. and uh and then we have stripped away a bit of the individuality of the uniqueness of the of the eccentric person um because we assume we can just appropriate that and 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 kind of have an assurance of success ourselves as an artist so like you know all the mythologizing of artists is being these people that were heroic and isolated and alone and you know the all the goofy stories about like van gogh cutting his ear off or you know the eccentricities of of uh picasso or of uh dali or the arrogance of Picasso or, um, you know, the, uh, jerk attitude of a Pollock or, and if, if you, if you walk all the way up into the contemporary moment, um, the, the more, um, you know, self-important, um, like I was watching, uh, Oh gosh. Um, what's his name? Who does the shark paintings, the impossibility of death. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, Damien Hurst. Mm. I was watching a video of just Damien Hurst doing his dot paintings and mm-hmm. you know he's made some interesting stuff and I'm not like an anti-Damien Hirst person but th- there's a there's a little bit of a, there's a strange self-importance that uh, sets in over time mm-hmm. and you know all of these things um, kind of become assumed uh, with the artist like when you go back and you look at um, like uh, Joseph Boyd's or, um, and he's, you know, walking around whispering to a rabbit. And, uh, you know, when he came to the U.S., he wouldn't step foot on U.S. soil, so they had to carry him around everywhere. And these stories become epic, you know. Um, uh, they're just, they become myths that get passed down, the Warhol myth. the It's like, but these are real people. And at, underneath of it, there is a character that's being developed in one kind of way or another. Right. And the thing is, um, as unique as uh, an individual is, um, and I'm avoiding talking about really contemporary people because we are contemporary and I'm not trying to slander anybody or no, no. call anybody the mat. So I, I am aware that I'm not referring to anybody that is making now, but it's sort of, you know, just, I want to be respectful, you know, in light of our conversations. Like, and I'm not, I'm not picking at any of those individuals we just described. What I am saying though, is that when we look at that, um, how we derive inspiration from that, I think matters. And uh, I think it's terribly unpopular to talk about character because um, it's banal. It's, it's, it can seem boring. It can seem conservative. It can seem um, predictable and redundant and um, attainable. Uh-huh. You know, and because it's attainable, um, you can feel a certain kind of way about the responsibility of actually having a good, good character. Uh-huh. And so um, you know that character quality is implicated in a conversation like gossip. yeah yeah. you know so so if we go back through some of the rethink categories it requires a a check on our character Mm -hmm. um to to clear paths away in ourselves so that clear or if you want to say uh pure creativity comes forward or or more aligned creativity more um properly estimated outcomes or creative expressions whether they're exploratory or for a a purpose of a particular end Mm -hmm. um have greater capacity to even show up um by virtue of our character but when when the character is eroding or uh in pain which is something we will talk about at some point um the work that comes out of that is serving a different purpose Mm -hmm. and i think it's hard to look at that and then go well i want to appropriate that i want to i want to make work like so and so who's making work out of intense suffering and difficulty or eccentricity uh eccentricity so um yeah i think i think where we're headed now is in the same vein of it requires something of character is to talk about uh ripping people off Ooh. stealing from people stealing people um like candy bars and stuff yeah like candy bars uh erasers um like people's the, work people's yeah. art you know uh, truthfully like the declaration of independence yeah like nick cage yeah when he's still, we're like still in the, we're still in the declaration of independence. Yeah. I kind of like that movie. That movie's a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah. National treasure. hundred percent. hundred percent, dude. Nick Cage. I wanted to do another one. Total derail here, but I wanted him to do another one. And it uh, turns out that they're going to do a TV series and he's not going to be in it. And he's, he's agreed to be okay with that. And I, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Hey,
2: Nick Cage, we know you're listening. How about you come on the show?
0: Yeah. Come on the show and talk, talk about it. We'll get to national treasure three. Yeah. Let's get national treasure five. Is it five? Do they have no, three I mean, no. Oh, okay. they, <laughs> I'm just like, saying agree to, agree to the three through five. Yeah. Just Let's just get that. <laughs> yes. And they're making a new Indiana Jones other d con- continuing on. Heck yes. Um, and and uh, I want to be excited about it, but I'm hesitant.
2: Well, um, the good news is um, even if they don't make another one or if it's not good, there's probably someone who's going to rip off the whole concept. Yes. And that's probably a given. That's a given. Um, yeah. I, I, when you were when you are talking about character, I think one thing I wanted to interject before we really got into the meat of ripping people off is that um, I know that through our conversations we've had through this series, uh, they've allowed me to really sit back and reconsider a number of things. And I know it can be easy to think that because you're hearing our voices say these things, that that means, oh, we've got it right, we've got it done, it's easy every day, there's no thinking about it. That's not the case at all. Um, there are things that are, you could even put in the category of like even aspirational conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anybody's prone to those uh, those things that maybe aren't the most productive or most helpful um, or slipping back into bad assumptions so i know even in in things i've made recently or thoughts i've had about making things um, the last few episodes have been very very helpful in the way i think of things and in the way of i've kind of tried to recontextualize my classroom space for the fall semester Mm -hmm. uh, even thinking through some of these ideas and how uh, even as an educator i can kind of prop up my students in a more helpful way where mm-hmm. it's easier to avoid some of those downfalls um so yeah please don't hear this stuff is like oh we never do this Um, uh, but hear yeah. much more is this is, yeah it's always this worth is a conversation
0: yeah keep reminding that these are the the kind you know it's like uh every now and then it's just worth saying it we you know the whole know and be known it's important for, for artists to both know and be known by each other which requires a kind of vulnerability ability and a willingness to talk through the real things you think about and a lot of this podcast was built on talking about things in a public space mm-hmm. that we were already having, or have historically been having, or looking to have. Where you're like, I need to be able to just speak it plain and and kind of um, poke the bear sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's sleeping in my studio. Mm-hmm. And um, that's real. Yeah, and you know, so so this is it's just good to always remind that that's kind of where we're at still. It's like uh, the value of this has been it does cause you to have to take inventory of your own life um and look at what your patterns of action and rhythms are and and uh where you're stunted and where 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 you you're, you aspire and there's no no movement at all and sometimes maybe also where there's movement that you don't aspire for there to be movement so it's sort of like a denial of who you are mm-hmm. and a, a coveting or kind of a uh wanting to be something or someone else which sort of bears on this discussion a little bit and so i, I would try to land the plane and keep it simple for a second um When I think about uh, uh, um, ripping people off, um, I think it creates a a conundrum because you're talking about um, more of a character issue, character issue than an outcome issue, Mm -hmm. initially. And so, when we're looking at making, I think um, I wrestle with the word inspiration. But let's say you're inspired. Well, there's so there's inspiration. I saw something that someone did, and it lit me up, and I had to go. Respond. I had to go make something, and so, um, and it was so compelling. I want to make something like it. Um, I think that's a that's a space, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I think, but prior to that, there is the way in which humans tend to learn, which is stuff is passed down to them in, in distilled forms, according to um, sort of a stage they're at, a life stage. And so um, you're already working with what's been handed down to you. And I have to tell my students this. I said to you earlier. I said I tell my students you have to. Be willing to walk well-worn paths mm-hmm. to um, extend that well-worn path forward. So you have to walk the path to walk it forward. And, and that's generally the case for most people, which is why I started with eccentrics because um, even if you look back at a lot of the eccentrics in, or, or the, um, the unique examples, they, they too in their biography walked the well-worn path and they found points of departure within it. Uh-huh. you know so um uh they didn't arrive arrive fully formed and packaged in uh an ideal state they are, they're real human beings that had to kind of agonize and work through stuff so um when you're talking about like let's say painting or drawing or visual culture um it's fitting that we kind of have to um if art is as valuable as we say that it is it only follows that we will want to make things like we've seen uh-huh. So I'm not calling that ripping off. And that, that's, so um, uh, I think the, the the distinction is when you have people um, dishonestly making like someone else um, with a full denial that they're doing that, mm-hmm. no acknowledgement, no yeah. nothing. I think that's kind of the, the idea is that um, examining that to give us a, uh, a, a clearer sense of than the mushy, messy, um, developmental mode of making that sometimes has your work looking like someone and sometimes doesn't, if yeah. that makes sense. So that's kind of the way the two, you know, and I, I really do think one is about an honesty and the other is about a dishonesty. No, I think it's a, it's a good distinction because I know that in these conversations
2: of um, yeah, inspiration, appropriation, uh, theft, There's, um, that's, that's never been any part of the conversation I've heard. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in courses in the past or conversations with, you know, faculty or students where we talk about this, that designation doesn't come up. Mm -hmm. So there's a wholesale kind of polar opposite Mm -hmm. where it's like you are either original or you are a hack, Mm -hmm. which is never said, but feels very much under the surface of the conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, which at the end of it just leaves people asking, well, well, what's originality? And they say, well, we just we just throw that out too. Yeah. So that that's not possible. Also, the well, other yeah, is impossible. So you're left with kind of questions. And you're like, yeah, it's a it's a journey you got to take on your own. And that's where I'm just like, come on, get off, get off that high horse, because we can't have it that way. Like there has to be some space forward to have a functional conversation. There has to be a place where we can concede some things and take up some things. And I think the designations you're putting forward are really helpful because what they do is they say, the reality is when you started, you picked up a pencil and you drew Charlie Brown. Yeah. You didn't think of Charlie Brown. You may have even put your paper over Charlie Brown and traced him out. Yep. And you got a feel for what lines were like and what pencils were like, what pressure felt like. And later maybe you could draw them on your own. Mm -hmm. And then maybe later you started coming up with your own characters. You drew Mm -hmm but they probably looked a little like the characteristics of Charlie Brown. That can still be a thing mm-hmm. in
0: the categories you've laid out.
2: Yeah. Which yeah. is hugely helpful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not to deny that it's, it's to kind of understand where you might be in a season of, of, of making as opposed to kind of rushing to, um, to kind of hide the evidence and, yeah. and stake claim for something that isn't yours in the way that you're, you're staking claim over it. And, uh, i mean i think it's a that's a real thing and i think it's very real when it comes to the way social media can kind of facilitate those opportunities um you know people can just kind of rapidly take on what someone else is doing and call it their own and not even know why and um but call it their own in in a way that denies what's there um you you what you were saying about um kind of like the the way it gets thrown out is like well there's no originality and and we've had that discussion already. Um, a lot. One of the, I think, defeatist ways uh-huh. this is talked about is as, uh, it's, it ends up being called remix culture. Yeah. And remix culture often lazily is put forward to not really deal with the messiness of this conversation. And, and it, it's, it's an attempt to give license to um, everyone, including the person ripping off. It's a way of saying, well, everything is kind of in the blended middle and it's just a remix of what already is the case. And here's what's funny um, about remix culture statements from fact professors, artists, is often that person believes in progress Mm -hmm. and remix is not uh, aligned with the idea of progress. And so I'm not a progress person and for very specific reasons that I could get into some other time if someone wants to know, but I I think that, we develop uh and we develop along well-worn paths that to another eye can look like a remix variation of something that's already been done so, so it, it comes into um a state of mind you know um like when i garden each year i'm not remixing the past per se mm-hmm. and i like remixes as far as like uh, music goes which is where that kind of idea comes from but um i think it's insufficient to deal with the way in which visual art and visual communication develops Um, and the way visual art and visual communication develops has something to do with the way the character of human beings develops. Yeah, no, that's real Um, that there's, there's something there. You're not throwing it all out, Yeah, but you're also not just
2: recycling.
0: Yeah. It's there prior to you. And then it's, it comes into your hands or you, you take up the walk, so to speak with other people. And the reason why I like this is because there are walks to take up that some people will say look more traditional. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm always of the mind, you know, I always say this, especially like at the university we work at, I don't want to be in a place, like I never want to be in a school where you're throwing out people that work in what some would call more traditional modes. Mm-hmm. I want to be in a place where there is the traditional modes and there's the um outlier modes that are quote unquote progressive that are so advanced that we need translators to to help us understand what might be happening there yeah and i want everybody in the middle i don't i don't really want to throw anybody out and i want to create a, a operating space that is discursive and um where people are so free they're they're free to be inspired by the inner workings of someone working in a more traditional manner but also mm-hmm. that the um the uh, traditional workers can can actually drive inspiration or influence or ideological, thought-provoking stuff from somebody who's maybe working in a really contemporary and progressive way. But that requires something of our character and it requires to draw our boundaries differently Mm -hmm. and not around um, a self-preservation, which is super hard because depending on where you fall on that, you could be at greater risk to be um, eliminated or kind of pushed out so to speak, um, and so, which I think can cause some people to um, fast track to success through ripping off, through being like, "Yeah, I see that. I want that, and I want the benefits of what that's going to bring me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to act like uh, I'm the one that started this."
2: Yeah, and it's also weird because um, there's such there's such an authoritarian audacity. Mm-hmm in the mind of someone who says that, like, the avant gardism is the only way that things can actually be helpful. Um, it's the only way somebody can operate because your, your avant-garde stuff today is going to be passe in a few years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the reality of it, all right? I mean, you see anybody, like, you know, falling over, foaming at the mouth over somebody paying a Brillo box right now? No, because that'd be passe. That doesn't change what it was. And something like that, you even look at Pop like pop art in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, the way that it was very much ahead of its time. It was on the cutting edge. It was all this. It was very, whatever. Like it, it, it's not anymore. It's, it's, you know, magnets at Cracker Barrel mm-hmm. look like pop art. Yeah. You know, and nobody's sitting there saying like, that's the trajectory they want for their career as an mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. And so if we disallow things to be traditional, if we,
0: if we throw out that whole category and say, it's not valid.
2: Which is not something that we're throwing out our work in
0: the future. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're actually, all you're doing is arbitrarily setting up the next tradition. And then, and so it, and it's a shallow uh, uh, course or trajectory that um, preemptively denies the power of art to do things meaningful to people. Yeah. Um, And so it, a lot of times like these conversations uh, um, meld into a matter of who's talking and, um, how interested or disinterested they are in what they're looking at. And and so, you know, in some ways it's like, it becomes a matter of opinion. Yeah. Um, it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. 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 And the problem with that is like, I think opinions are great. Otherwise we wouldn't have this podcast. Right. But, (laughs) um, but at the same time, um, if there's not shared reality, uh, if we don't spend enough time looking at shared reality, then, then our opinions can be harsher, sharper, and less informed, uh, uh, for and against the things that we both don't approve of and approve of because we're not working with a, a big enough worldview. Um, so our, our picture of uh, total reality is not robust enough um, to deal with thesis, antithesis, and things that we do and don't like and so on. And so you know, you'll have to demonize someone in order to uh, uh, push your work forward. But um, so I feel like, you know, if, if anything, maybe the, the first thing we've done is we've just kind of created a big melting pot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, points around it. And um, I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, what do you think the, uh, just if we had to bullet point it, you mm-hmm. know, like if we could just rapid fire, what are the rapid fire reasons we, we, um, we rip off? I think I'd go with uh, you've got insecurity in your own ability, okay, uh,
2: or your own creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is hard work to yep. actually dig in. Like inspiration doesn't hit you; like you got you got to dig it up. Yeah. Um, I, I would say uh, it takes a long time to become established. So mm-hmm. why not ride coattails? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to academically or emotionally or uh, socially engage. With the world mm-hmm. to rip somebody off, mm-hmm. but I
0: do to make it work that matters,
2: yeah um I don't know yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I'm trying to think like what are you know the times of my life where i've I've uh plagiarized somebody or something like all the way back to being a little kid, like there's definitely it's like you want a piece of the pie and you want it to be your own, and it, maybe it's that desire is standing on top of what you just shared, you know the yeah. insecurity piece or um it's an immaturity in the ability to to share yeah it's like you can't share so so you can't really share in the creativity of someone else and say yeah i think i admire off. you you know
2: and and with ripping off it's like if it's good and you get some credit yeah, but if it's
0: bad. It wasn't yours
2: anyway. Yeah. 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 You know, it's it's one of those like it's a win win situation in the sense. Yeah.
0: There's a little bit of a head. And I mean, I you know, so I think when I matured a little bit into being a painter, like then you start learning under the tutelage of other people and you start you, you almost paint like them for a while because you're learning the language they're speaking in. And the hope is that by walking those well worn paths, you'll start to find a departure. So you you concede to like a tree like, okay, I've been planted in this garden Mm -hmm. and I'm this kind of tree. And this is, this is the tree that I am. Like I'm planted here. So I think about my time studying is, is, um, that's why, you know, it's a couple of things that I do, uh, partly to keep myself honest, but also, you know, I've mentioned on this podcast many times the people that have really influenced me. And if I made a list of the people, you would just be able to rapidly deconstruct my work and, and see Mm -hmm. all the different places it comes from. And, um, I think I, and slowly. So when I say my work, I mean that's tricky because the work that I do is all of it. Ishako art space, all of it, you know, like and so it's divergent. And I think that's me, and that's mm-hmm. the me that was boxed in a lot in school. I wasn't. It was like a uh, a natural tendency for people to push you into to pin you down to something so they could get a handle on how to help you grow at it, which I think is meaningful. But sometimes it was problematic. So, um, but as a painter. Uh, um, that wrestling match between um you know do working along the the parameters of the elders so to speak the elders of the the tribe and uh coming coming of age and and the, the tribe having a way a rite of passage and then i think if anything i kind of broke away from the rite of passage part so i arrived up through but i didn't uh, go all the way through in, in a kind of a religious practice way almost. like yeah. yeah. Like there was, kind of, I mean, quote, quote, unquote, quotations, like it's kind of like, well, you know, once you've gone up through the way we train, your work looks like X. Mm-hmm. And I abandoned that part and took what I would learned and flipped it on its head. And then I was looking at other artists that I would, you know, also uh, land in my inspiration category that I could tell you like, look, this is where these ideas come from. And then here's where my ideas emerged. As, as much as they I could say they're mine, but they're always in it's like to say they're my ideas is is to say um, to say to literally say these are my ideas is to use common language mm-hmm. that everybody has access to, and no one claims um authority over like I'm using words right now. well where did I get those words and who generated those words? i don't even know anymore yeah i mean i don't I never knew, but I'm using them right mm-hmm but then I'm using them to construct an appeal to a very specific sense for which uh, a bit of myself is imprinted on something a little more keenly. And so it's a messier endeavor between um, the individuated aspect of the artist or the communicator and the milieu and the materials they're, they're pulling from. And so I think once you get there, uh, to whatever magnitude that work works, turns a spotlight mm-hmm. and then you get asked questions, and I think it creates a culture of support and substantiate your ideas. And I think that makes people later in their experiences prone to quote unquote rip off or, or just not admit to where their influences came from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I love the stories where you discover like the musician that everybody loved. Yeah. Cause you hear there, it's like they didn't make it to the recording success that their contemporaries did. But all of them point back and go, no, nah, if you listen to this guitar player and I've, I've listened to countless documentaries and things where you're like, there are just people that you won't know about that influenced all the people you know about. Oh, 100%. you know what I mean? And it's beautiful when there's an acknowledgement of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's, it's almost better. And I've, I've never found that I can remember. I've never found a time where I thought less of the artist. Who it could acknowledge how much they are inspired. Like I can always tell every every good rock band that I that I could think of, I'm mm-hmm. um, making a general statement, has a Beatles moment. Yeah. It's like they have to go. It's like if you're going to progress as a musician, you you invariably stumble back into the garden bed of the Beatles. Yeah. It's, and just like, you know, any
2: any kind of like fantasy novel, movie, whatever, is going to uh, kind of pull out an element that is isn't Tolkien. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like um, a point where things flourish from. So it just happens. Yeah. Um,
0: It's a very, it's a concentrated source or an epicenter. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you
2: know, one thing that I was saying is you were talking about this this kind of way of thinking about ideas. We think of things the same way when we talk about recipes and food.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, there's, um, there may be like qualities that make a certain thing that right so we all we all generally know what a taco is or what spaghetti is Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you've ever had the same spaghetti twice at different Mm -hmm. places or the same tacos you know they have similarities there may be things and nobody's claiming ownership over like taco meat or onions that's right you know or tortillas Uh, somewhere back in the past those did kind of originate from a place but just like you were saying with words and ideas yeah Where those actually came from, we're not the ones to say right now. Um, And I do not know that we could have a definitive answer no matter how long we looked for some of those things. Um, So I think it's uh, it's helpful to kind of live in that space, to have a realistic understanding and idea of the way ideas actually work. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an entire class where this is what we talk about, Mm -hmm. how ideas develop. And some of the things that are really interesting is uh, that if you look through history, there are countless innovations, uh, advancements, um, inventions, uh, changes in society that happen at the same time in completely different places. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of weight behind the reality that, um, there, there seems to be more commonality in the way that we do things than we even like to admit. Yeah. So, you know, when Gutenberg's dealing with movable type, so are people in China. Mm Mm-hmm they're not, like, they're not like calling each other up and saying, hey, yeah. we're doing this thing. They're not sharing documents. They're not, they're not even mainly, maybe even running into people along spice trading routes and saying, hey, there's this weird idea going on in the shop over here and then mm-hmm. somebody hears about it. There likely was no interaction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But there were things that were fertile for ideas to come up or spring up. In addition to that, when we talk about the way that ideas influence us, the way that we derive inspiration from them, mm-hmm. one thing is, Ideas are much more a network rather than a line. They're much more uh, developmental as a community of things than they are as a linear progression of anything.
0: Yeah, and I think that's partly to do with some of the messiness of of, of uh, thinking of like the art history canon in a moment versus kind of like when you look at the regions of um, like if you if you did a study on the way light is addressed in painting historically, you'll find simultaneous parts of the world at particular times in history where, um, you know, still life painting is being had a certain way. And, and there's both uh, strong similarities and then differences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you look at, gosh, I'm just trying to, th- I, I like to think of um, analytic cubism, Brocken, uh, Picasso, and then Cezanne's landscapes. Mm-hmm especially towards the very end um, in the way the picture plane is being broken up and the shifting ground of land mass. And, you know, Cezanne approached it in a very slow, methodical, geological way and much more wedded to literal landscape. And and I think Brock and Picasso uh, were focused on the nature of whatever the object was, the shifting light, this kind of sepia toned Uh uh, silver screen, you know, um, background, motion picture background. But, they were both using those sources to deal with a certain idea. And it's like those ideas, the idea of dynamism and movement was in the atmosphere of the time because of the industrial revolution. Like motion was an interest for most people. And so it's, it's like it wouldn't have been original to just say, hey, uh, I'm interested in, in bodies in motion moving from one point to another or engines moving things at different rates of speed for the uh, sake of efficiency or, or mass production. Um, But then within that, though, you know, you get different, um, like the conveyor belt, you know, you get different answers to that atmospheric space. And um, even in that, dare you say, like there's some original ideas. And then you get companies that are like, we're taking that idea and we're going to do it and we're just going to try to make it better. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, and so you get into the need for patents and protection and Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, this idea of, of, uh, ripping people off is, is really just a pervasive part of human character across mm-hmm. the board. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like when you see a yogurt, a frozen, like in, we, were, we live in Richmond and there's a place called Carrytown and there's a, um, sweet frogs mm-hmm. and this young guy, um, who's kind of a, a turd is classic where parents got a bunch of money and he's like, uh, I'm going to open up a ice or a. You know a um, frozen yogurt place, right next door. Right next door. Right yeah. next door, and and he's like, "I'm just gonna. I have more money. We're gonna do it better, and we're just gonna buy him out. And we're gonna wait him out. And of course, he didn't. His stuff sucked, and yeah. the Sweet Frog is still there. But the point is, um, we do that. You know, yeah. we just do that, and uh, um, it's really becomes a matter of personal responsibility. Yeah, to not be a chop. You well, know? I think you know, with with ripping people off. Um,
2: One of the things uh, I was having a conversation with a friend uh, just yesterday, actually, and we were we were talking about a specific thing um, that I'm not going to mention. But the uh, when you when you rip off ideas Mm -hmm. or or ways people do things or the thing itself, Mm -hmm. when you rip it off, like you could get some very quick success because you haven't had to do the actual hard work of that coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, You haven't had to come up with it on your own. You haven't had to think through it. You haven't had to develop through it. You just kind of grab it. You throw the you throw the facade on the wall and you say, look, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Usually that's not where ripping people off becomes problematic. You could probably make a pretty decent early career out of ripping people off. Yeah. But that career is not going to be established. Mm-hmm. It's not going to set in stone. You're yeah. not going to be remembered. You're not going to be thought of. Because ripping people off, if you shortchange all of those beginning parts, the work that goes into developing the idea, the work that goes into maintaining the idea, doing something with it, working out through long hours in the
0: studio or whatever else,
2: if you skip all of that, you literally have no foundation for the rest of that career.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that really is a great point. You, you end up becoming sort of parasitic and dependent upon yeah. the creativity of another person too much so. Mm-hmm. So like if they, if you, there, there's not an onboarding into, it's like if you're walking a well-worn path, there's points where you, there's points of departure where you go, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel like I've got to do. Yeah this thing, and that's a departure from what I've been inspired by. And I'm, I'm moving a little bit away from the people, my heroes, my my sources of inspiration, the people that, and uh, I'm a little less sure, but I gotta do this, I've gotta do this work. And so you, you get, you you move into a generative state where the work starts to become your own. I actually think it it takes, it can take, not all the time, but I actually believe it can take quite a bit of time for that to happen. I don't think, I think, There's a couple of side notes here. I think we uh, perpetually celebrate youth culture. I've said in the past, which is a disservice to the youth culture and a disservice to everybody else because we're only a youth for a moment. And so to act as though our lives only matter in a particular window of time puts a lot of pressure on everything we do to be the best it's going to be. Because if that's the only time that your life is the best, say 20 20 to 18, 18 to 25, let's say, yeah, right? Well, you know, um, it's a fundamental rejection of reality. It's, it's You're, depressing as hell. It's depressing as hell. And that's, that's a, actually the society we've built in many yeah. ways because we would prefer to see someone win Olympic gold at 14 than at 30. <laughs> we're, we're really ageist in, in so many ways. We, we've romanticized this idea of a, a particular time as the ultimate way to verify our, our uh, human worth, self-worth, and authenticity. That's why people struggle so hard with getting old. I mean, there's many reasons why. But um, so then, if you take that idea and then you say, um, you force the arts into a shallower space where uh, appropriation or even a step further, ripping people off becomes a more likely reality because you don't have time to develop your voice. So you got to, and you see it in music a lot. You see a lot of bands. Like, I mean, uh, my classic example I've mentioned on his podcast before, but it always stuck out to me was was nirvana had influences you could Uh hear them but they were very much kind of their their thing and and after nirvana there were so many bands that became different levels of proximity to the band and therefore different levels of ability whatever that is to the point where it was just shallow ripoff and you're like this is painful because all i can hear is how bad you're trying to play like this other band yeah and as soon as that nirvana stopped those bands stopped because they really couldn't do anything else Uh They hadn't developed their voice, um, but here's the rub: if you're stuck in the youth culture conundrum, you're not given time to develop your voice. So what do you do? Just rush through it. Rush through it, and then it's not—it's disposable. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of disposable culture. We have a lot of people making disposable art um, that you know this year they're quote-unquote hot and exciting, but um, there's not a much under the tank. And so they're not going to be around making 10, 20, 30 years from now. And I think, yeah, to your point earlier, even about character is if we don't see the character
2: flows out into the work that we do, then we don't see the reciprocal of that either. We don't see that the work flows out into the way that we view character. Mm -hmm. So if you have something like youth culture that is like uh, just we're just at the churn, just Mm -hmm. at the churn. So you're 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 just pumping people up and then you throw them over the side, pump them up, throw them over the side. Art school. If you're if you're doing that then there is something that goes on where you could say, the way that we have devalued work, the way that we've just dumped all these people after a certain age range or number of years Mm -hmm. active or whatever the weird metric might be. If that's going on, then it makes total sense why we are also having huge cultural and social problems understanding the value of life Mm -hmm. and who's valuable, who matters, who doesn't, what's good. all happened right now. And so... If you don't do it one direction, it can't go the other direction either. Yeah. Like it, it fundamentally all breaks down.
0: Yeah. So it was, uh, this might be for another. This is definitely, I was talking to a friend about, this is way premature to bring this up. So, but I just, go I just it. kind of scratched the itch. So I was talking to a friend yesterday about some future talks that are kind of adjacent to our podcast that are mm-hmm. getting into like more weighty topics, actually.
2: And more we were talking, yeah, more
0: weighty, <laughs> way more weighty. Bring it yeah, up. Yeah. Much more, uh, Dangerous, I guess. But the um, we were talking, and there's a um kind of a famous thinker that had put together these, and I'm gonna misquote and and not say this well, but he was saying if you took uh, let me double check. I may even have it have it written down somewhere. Um, just fact check myself really fast here. Let's see.
2: Well, well, one thing I wanted to say while you're while you're finding that um, you were talking about the well worn paths. Mm-hmm. Um. And when we think about those well-worn pads if we skip them entirely, we just jump into something, we rip people off, uh, we go beyond just appropriating work. If mm-hmm. we're doing that, once we get to the point where we're hitting those roadblocks, we also have not established any sort of community that can come around us and say, mm-hmm. I can actually help you think through that. You know, so um, if all you've done is rip things off, then when you get to that point, you're by yourself and alone mm-hmm. and you just have to find something new to rip off. Um, but if you've been developing for a while, there's a little less territorialism Mm -hmm. that goes on. If somebody says, well, you know, I think I want to do it a little differently than I've been doing it. Well, at that point, let's have a conversation about how that might be productive for you. Because if, if you and I are doing that, Mm -hmm. then it is conceivable to think of that, uh, we are both thinking of things. We're, we're both, uh, thinking through things, which means that we can have a conversation of how we may depart from each other. In different ways, but doing the same sort of things. That community is there, and it's usually helpful if we haven't just
0: started things off by ripping each other off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So this is this is like maybe I'm trying to see if I can read. I don't know how much I want to read of this, but so it's kind of a it's like old school categories. This is from a long time ago, but it was the uh, breakdown of, um, magic, science, um, let's see, religion. And, oh gosh, I just, just lost the, yeah, so, so uh, science, religion, magic, and technology. And um, gosh, I'd even throw philosophy in there, I suppose. But what, I guess the, the conversation was the way people would pair those. And typically, people would pair uh, religion and science together, mm-hmm. you know, or sorry, Uh, religion and magic together Mm -hmm. kind of superstition and then and so um we were having this discussion about how that was flipped in this thinker's mind uh c.s lewis and he would he said that um science like magic or so you could throw in their technology Mm -hmm looks to control and manipulate reality according to the desires of humanity. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So they're more of an imposition on the natural world. Mm. Um. And he, he flipped it and he said that like philosophy, um, you know, in uh, religion are more an assumption that there's something greater out there. Uh-huh. And of course you can take philosophy and religion and impose it on reality and manipulate. So, but he, he was making this really interesting point about um, the imposition. And so he said that, that when, when there, the, the, the problem with the imposition of um, magic and, um, and uh, science or technology is, is, uh, is uh, the way it imposes itself on reality as though we are the greater. Mm-hmm. And that creates the necessity for technique in order to continue to master reality. To continue to master it and um so he was kind of his. the argument was like the two type the four types of knowledge and separated from each other send you off into different trajectories and so what i thought was interesting about that is over over time this idea of mastering reality is very much a real thing and so uh we're very much interested in techniques that will move us into position to establish ourselves as it's kind of the master of our reality, the mm-hmm. one that one that imposes all the laws, the rules, uh, the semiotics, the look, the appearance of ourselves and our art, and um, and because like that's such a small goal, people are uh, shortchanging even that to quicker amounts of appropriation, you know, and so it's like um, we've kind of lost the. Um, what the other two categories bring in some ways, which is a wonder for reality past ourselves. Um, and uh, and we, we, we wrestle with if we do have enchantment or wonder, it has to be forced through techniques
1: uh-huh.
0: that ensure our control and our, our mastery. And uh, it's quite a, it, it's interesting. It's just, it's a, and I'm giving you unformed thoughts. These are raw. That's why I said I wasn't going to prepare to talk about this. But um, I'm wrestling with this, th- some of this conversation, I guess, in a very incipient way and thinking like, gosh, you know, um, uh, it makes sense of types of people I come into contact with. It makes sense of the kind of person who masters technique and their work is stale. And it makes sense of the person who wants to discover and abandons technique altogether. They don't, they actually are so wanting something else to be there that they don't wanna have any mastery over reality. And so there's something in the dichotomizing of these two points that I think is like it bears on this discussion regarding uh, authorship or or intent or or stealing someone else's uh, uh, visual ideas and so on. And um, you know, I think it it goes right to the heart of why we would have to do these kinds of conversations. It's like we gotta kind of parse these things out. And here's 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 the main thing. I think the reason why you won't hear very many conversations like this, perhaps in in classes, is because you can't. You can't necessarily assign a rubric to it. Um, you're 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 trying to untangle all the knots and 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 dismantle some of the assumptions that whole academic institutions are built on in some ways. Yeah.
2: I mean the the ways you're you're I, I can't help but think of like categorically in spaces of um curiosity and industrialism.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I think of ripping somebody off, it feels much more in an industrial mindset. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You're accomplishing a goal. You're making it efficient. You're doing a thing. It's a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this idea of of not of kind of of letting kind of almost like letting magic and science and things like that uh, or magic uh, kind of impose itself on you in a, in a curious wonderment sort of way mm-hmm. where I don't have to control it, but I can be in it in some way
0: um, that yeah, it kind of goes me, back to rethinking the world a little bit. Yeah, yeah it allows discovery. me to
2: actually kind of have open eyes, like yeah. eyes that look up versus eyes that look down. Um, one, one thing that uh, has always perplexed me is um, how you can walk through a major city and you will see less pe- more people looking at the ground yes. than at the sky. Staggering. And it's amazing because when I walk through a city, I know I always look like a tourist. Mm-hmm. because i love architecture mm-hmm. so i'm looking at the buildings i'm staring at things i'm seeing yeah stuff and my eyes are up because i am beholden
0: to that city mm-hmm. in some capacity yeah but you not don't beholden get, to me. what's interesting is what i love about that is like you don't get mastery over it like you right. can't it's not a uh, narcissist you can't um you can't have what you love and i think so this really gets weird because this is why i wasn't i was like man i don't want to bring this up because <laughs> But this is, this, is, this is at the heart of the technological discussion and the AI and, and uh, we, we want to master the techniques to bring about the ultimate AI God that will do for us what we want and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll trust in our own abilities to bring it about um, so that then it will do, do for us what we don't want to do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, so we are locked into a matrix kind of reality that has uh, unintended consequences. So uh, it makes us more beholden to what we can control and less open to what is there mm-hmm. that is like uh that you you know at best the opposite would be like you commune with you you're you're in before and with, but you're not um and 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 also so here here's a here's a, a goofy place to go with this if you're listening, forgive it, we're really jumping around, I guess, but uh what if you've been listening this long, like there's then a thread you, here yeah, there's a thread here if you're listening you, you know that this is this happens, so um if, if you walk up if you walk down the street. Uh-huh. And a flower, like a daisy, pops up between two cracks and a piece of concrete. Um, there is something wonderful there at the size and manner that it is, the kind of thing that it is. And there's all kinds of biology there. It's a complex organism. You know, it's, it's what it is, right? Okay. Well, you can step on it, destroy it in two seconds. No one would ever know. Or you can stare at it and say, wow, that's beautiful. Or you can just avoid it and keep walking. I mean, there's many responses, right? Um, and if if you choose to ponder it for a little bit, you can see it as an end in and of itself. Uh-huh. That's a flower that just grew there. Or you can go a step further and say, "What kind of world do we live in that can produce such beauty, or fittedness, or you know, complexity, with simultaneously so much temporariness to it, so much frailness to it, so much?" Yeah. Vapor-like reality to it, all at the same exact time, uh, at such an intimate scale that my eyes are are fitted to behold. And if you start to do that, then you have to start asking, what kind of world do we live in? And as you keep asking those questions, it it puts existential pressure on you to have to not be the center of reality any longer because you can't barely tie your shoes. Yeah, so you you can't claim responsibility for um the magnitude of the world. And as artists, I think sometimes we want to really feel like we're god or really under under control of what we're doing and so we shut out the world to maintain that feeling. Uh-huh. And we're afraid to be lost to looking up at the sky uh, because we don't want to deal with how small we are possibly. And we don't want to deal with questions of religion or god or, you know, I think I really think a lot of us don't, um, although I do think there are people that, that want those conversations and, and um, I think they're worth having actually. Um, uh, I think a lot of what we think is um, right or wrong is, is poorly investigated and not, not well considered at all. And uh, as long as we get our uh, technological uh, feed sent to us through Twitter or whatever it is, we, we've got a, a ability to cherry pick from a very limited field of information. And as long as we stay there looking down, um, what's staring us in the face is fundamental reality. Uh-huh. And the time-honored questions that I would say uh, are answerable, actually. There are knowables, maybe the better way of saying it, um, uh, to, to various reasonable measures. But, but um, it requires you to kind of um, step away from the need to assert yourself uh, with assurances uh, for outcomes and for recognition.
2: Yeah, well, I um,
0: I think there that that is
2: the the thread that is the mm-hmm. commonality here, right? Mm-hmm. Because the short changing is the ripping off. Mm-hmm. The actual sitting down, pondering in your studio, working through something, living with a piece that you yeah. hate until you love it or until you can deal with it. Um, those are those are real things. I mean, that's that's a. It's not easy. None of those, neither of those things none are of easy, easy things to do. No, it's not easy to sit down and ponder your existence. It's not mm-hmm. easy to sit with a blank whatever and say, what can it be? Mm-hmm. Or even worse, with one that is covered in something that you don't like, mm-hmm. but you know there's something salvageable there. Yeah, there's, Those are not easy places to be. It is the hard work. So when we talk about art and design, the, the hard thing about art and design is not seeing if somebody likes your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not getting the show. It's not doing that. It's none of that. The easy work, I would say, and this is kind of with air quotes, and I'm not saying it lightly or brashly, but I'm saying... And the he's easy. wearing a cowboy hat right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> okay, he's not. <laughs> but, the, but the easy work comes after it's made. Mm-hmm. The making is the hard work. Yeah. And that's usually what people cast off as the easy work. that don't have any purview to the inside world mm-hmm. of what art and design is. They look at it and they say, man, yep, that looks exactly like a person mm-hmm. looks. That's easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, how are you making a living? Yeah. The hard stuff is the stuff that's taken for granted. And yeah. a lot, oftentimes I really do think that's our first move. We would say we want it easy. So I'm going to rip you off mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to do that hard stuff. Cause in that hard stuff, I'm going to have to think and rethink. I'm going to have to contextualize and recontextualize. I'm going to have to really work through a number of things that I can't compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. And in and doing it, so, yeah. I have to maybe change or maybe
0: say I'm wrong. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I not. Mean, i may be more or less than i thought and because sometimes success is scary so like there's actually times where you're like i could be facing more success than i think i really want actually there's a uh-huh. lot of folks that struggle with that or you could find out that you don't want any of this to begin with any of it at all but but now you're just kind of beholden to the notion of it and you want to save face so you you kind of nobody's neutral so you're 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 going to have consequences on someone for for your actions i think mm-hmm. one of the big ideas in all of this is is with, that relates back to character is that Is that you're taking responsibility for yourself, and it sounds so like we we're come on, Grandpa. Yeah, it sounds so so Grandpa-ish, but it's like uh, missing in in our public discourse is taking responsibility. Um, You know, uh, we we just we're living in such a flat polarized space right now, and uh, I worry. I've worried about it for years, but I really worry about it um, because there's such an important. Value to the human spirit, human will, mm-hmm. the ability to uh, talk freely, the ability to um, share ideas, the ability to, to reflect on ideas. I mean, just to the point of like the, the person who never practices looking up, so, you know, so to speak, um, uh, is doing the opposite, which is practicing being defined by controlled rhythms, which eliminate discourse and eliminate um, the time it takes to formulate. An honest thought so you know with this discussion when you're talking about um let's say uh the time it takes to make something and or the outcome and the values that come from that and you get people that just ping pong back and forth between those two points Mm -hmm. you know it's all individual or it's all collectivist well that means that that's like a stalemate means that the 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 answer is actually deeper and subsumes both of those points, and that gets back to this idea that there may be more to more to reality than what we want to admit, um, and we have less mastery over it than we want to admit, and our techniques and our ways of apprehending and imposing ourselves on reality maybe have to take a step back. So, for instance, you get a lot of collectivist thinking around uh, greens green spaces and thinking about green stuff. And there's something really good about that because there's a rebuke of, uh, uh, the way in which humanity has imposed itself on nature to, to almost the violation of, of, uh, reality. And so, you know, um, I would say that when we're stilling people's ideas, we're doing something similar. We're, we're denying the fundamentals of reality and we're forcing a kind of magic, a hocus pocus. Voila, I did it out of thin air. We are we're, we're imposing something that's not natural to, The way we work or the way the world works but on the other hand um there is something about personalness that is that is understood as individuated so there's this this kind of uh qualitative um union of uh being one amongst many but still being one amongst many if Uh you will yeah and if you if you go i'm just one by myself or i'm many uh you lose it and so um it demands a, a, a much bigger conversation. And it, it puts us into a more humble posture where we steward kind of the resources we've been given into uh, flourishing bits that are true of where we're at. So if I'm in the middle of learning to draw and what I can show you, like give you an example for me. Um, one of the greatest moments of my life is when I was gonna say this is just honest like when I went back to college. Uh-huh. So I got the letter, the acceptance letter. It, that was like uh, I just stared at it, never forgot it. I went on to do a lot more than that. I got two two more degrees after that one. And but um and the importance of the others and the experience that I obtained, but you know, were great. But that first experience was really important. And um or the first time I had my work in Sacramento in a hallway from a drawing class. Oh gosh, that was a big deal. You know, and then just a couple of years later, I had a solo show in the gallery on campus. Uh-huh. It's like, uh, it's like uh, yes, those are different, and they are, and they both meant something significant. And I can look at both and say, for its time and its place, that first time I got my work in the hallway almost had more impact for me than the solo show I had in the uh, campus gallery. It's like, um, and so it's to say that um, we live in process. And being truthful with where, our, where we are at Will allow us to set reasonable expectations for ourselves and what we do so if i'm painting a master copy of vlasquez which i did um i'm not acting like i painted a vlasquez yeah. or that i am vlasquez or that i'm ryan and vlasquez didn't exist mm-hmm. um, i understand that i'm trying to learn after a master by revisiting some of the way they structured a painting um now when i go to make my own work I have an understanding of that when I go to make the first paintings I ever made that were on like six by four foot panels. I understood what that was like in proportion. I didn't think I was changing the world. I didn't think, you know, that I was making something that didn't exist before. And that's, it was like scaled to where I was at. Um, Now I've done all that stuff for a a long time. And so, you know, when I paint now, it's a very different feeling and very different experience. Um, And uh, the way I'm inspired is a little different now. Um, And there's something about sort of being in, in yourself enough to be truthful, so that the character of who you are can rightly recognize what you're doing, which frees other people to have their free response to what you do in those parameters, whether they're stated or not. You know, so, um, so the character of you as a maker in honesty creates the greatest likelihood for generating character and quality responses from other people. Uh, accordingly. Um, now everybody's their own agent so they can act the way they want. Someone come in and just diss you and say this sucks. Okay, cool. But, uh, chances are if you're known and you know, people, if you have community, you have relationships, there will be people that will have, uh, I think proper honest responses to your work. And here's the thing it will satisfy because there's no, uh, delusion about what's happening. And so it's the strongest possible outcome by default is the honesty of the occasion it's it's working with reality not denying it yeah 100 percent.
2: i mean you mentioned responsibility um and i, and I think of uh, you know when you see a when you see a change in philip gustin's work i think there's there's a there's a responsibility that he grabbed mm-hmm. he, he may not have defined it that way but i think you know there's there's a responsibility to the, the past that he has to Mm -hmm. the way in which he's experiencing the world. But there's, there's an honesty there in that responsibility, right? Like you, you don't tend to have dishonest responsibility. Mm -hmm. You tend to have an honest responsibility. And so as he's working through those things, he's taking hold of them. He is being responsible for them in some way of hoping for them to, to work out, to understand them better, to, to let it be a visual sign of suffering Mm -hmm. or difficulty. And anytime time I see Augustine painting, I want to look at it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it has to be from something like that. Well, so that comes full circle on the kind of the eccentrics that we, uh-huh. you name all the artists you admire. It's yeah. probably because they, they were being honest. Yeah. And, but you yeah, can't, it's hard to rip off yeah. eccentricity. Yeah, it's, it's because they were being honest. So the best response is to allow your to to be honest with yourself and allow your story to unfold Mm -hmm. in in a more um to scale way uh you know because like you know like we've talked about gustin a lot but like the thing is gustin's a lot of people didn't like gustin's latter work and then he died and then it became this thing so it's like he it would it pained him he was ashamed of of, i mean he was embarrassed by what he was doing but he had to do it Mm -hmm. so it's it's like but because of that we're talking about him um So there was something there that wasn't even really, um, ready to be be received by, by his contemporaries. And, uh, you can't fast track to that moment and then skip ahead and get the benefits of a man who passed away before people started to really anoint that work. All you can do is be where you're at Mm -hmm. and work out of your circumstances, be inspired by other people that have gone ahead of you as much as in, in, in who have walked these well-worn paths. And let the chips fall where they may. And, and don't try to impose or manipulate yourself into measures of success because I, I keep finding that um, burnout is, uh, is real. And, and I've yeah. seen a lot of people burn bright for a couple of years and then they're just gone. And I, 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 I suspect that that is a highly overrated. When we say know and be known, I'm not talking about be famous, I'm talking about the requirements for intimate knowledge of one another. Mm-hmm. So that means that you may know less people and and less people may know you, but they may know you in a more real way that actually deepens the potential for meaningfulness and, um, blessing from bearing with each other through life's difficulties. I'll say like, um, for
2: me, it's actually played out the opposite way where it's, I've, I've actually started to know more people Yeah, because there was, um, I think there's just a, a self-involved self-interest. That um, I told myself the lie long enough. I believed, like, I don't need other people and I don't have to be around them. And so I don't have to really need to know them either. You know, I've got, I've just got a couple friends and that's fine. Mm -hmm. So for me, my experience of that has been actually knowing more people. Because the deeper knowing meant I had to actually know more people.
0: Yeah. To get So it coming, any level. coming, yeah. So coming, it makes sense. Coming from where you're, you're talking about starting from. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is on the the top end of, uh, if someone says I'm known by a bunch of people because I'm famous. Oh yeah, totally. You're gonna, you're. If what I'm, you know, what I'm talking about brings you into a more, um, a, a kind of equilibrium mm-hmm. where it's a in incoming outgoing dynamism. That means that you may not actually be known by the world as a celebrity artist. Yeah, but. I don't know that that actually has, I, I think that that's overrated. Mm-hmm. So here's, the, here's the, the big push is, if we, if we just stop valuing that, that doesn't exist anymore, but what comes in its place? And it, it probably looks more like what the world is. If you think of the world right now in some ways, it's like fish gasping for air, uh, living on dry land as opposed to swimming in water. Uh, it's like we're gasping, to be what we're really supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But we're we're not um swimming the way we're supposed to or in the context we're supposed to. Yeah. And so there's a kind of death that's like passing over us in a lot of ways. And um I think uh we talk about change, but we we talk about it more like hocus pocus mm-hmm. and not not like um deeper metaphysical recognitions that require something of us and responsibility and And also, like an admittance to the fact that maybe there's something more there than just merely ourselves. Like, like, uh, and therefore, a lot of my uh, pop level assumptions that feel deep because they're on Reddit Uh maybe aren't the most reliable information. Yeah. Um. You know. And therefore, the most reliable um, source of inspiration is maybe not Instagram and Twitter as far as then making paintings that respond to that, like. you know, maybe that really is a human construct in the way that uh, technology is a human construct and it's imposing techniques and manipulations on top of a reality that is so much more, but is still like that flower that can be stepped on. You know, like that paradox of beauty, of, of power and intensity and wonder that, is, uh, that we're a part of and, and in the way that we're a part of, we have this capacity to lord over it, to suppress it, to deny it, to act as though it's not there. Um, which is what we mostly do. So, like, what happens when we when we don't? And I think um, it raises deeper metaphysical questions. To be honest with you,
2: yeah, it definitely does. Well, I mean, I think um, you know, kind of wrapping stuff up. The uh, I think the the gut reaction uh, to ripping people off, I think, is is one that can be established pretty early. Um, but there's a huge difference between ripping people off and learning from other people's work. Yeah, that's the um, big point. Because I think ripping people off stays. Yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't go away. It becomes a hallmark of mm-hmm. kind of who you are and what you do, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is very fair about the uh, the uh, conversation around character. Um, it becomes a part of your character. Mm-hmm. Of what it's just what you are. You just rip people off. Yeah. Um, but if you're in that space, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. That's right. I mean, you have to live there. Um, and, and a really good way kind of out of that space is through community. Yeah. Having more conversations that actually use like
0: words you can hear, mm-hmm. not just the conversation in your brain. Yeah. Free you free to a kind of truthfulness for where you're at. Because the idea is that by being truthful, you're not, you're not stuck there. No. Um, not if you don't want to be. But also, uh, nobody is bearing all this out perfectly. Certainly, I'm not.
1: Um, not at all. And not so
0: yeah, like by even having these conversations as a discipline and stepping towards, like you said in the beginning, like an orientation towards kind of what we want to be. Uh, not to say that not a declaration of that we're already there and therefore it's not a declaration of we're already there and you should be too. It's more of like a, oh, I want to be there more than I am. Yeah. And one of the ways that, that happens is by sharing it with other people and saying, Hey, how do y'all feel about this? Here here's some, you know. Here's the fight I'm in right now. Yeah, artistic or even human
2: development, it is never it was never stationary. Mm-mm. You're always moving towards something or away from something. Um, and it's really good to figure out what it is you're moving towards. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, uh, I think uh, we are so nearsighted that yeah. we forget to look at what's actually past the car in front of us and mm-hmm. see that it could be a cliff it yep. could
0: be a brick wall yeah or it could be a great could party be, it could we be a know. skateboard ramp heck yeah the only thing that i think is stationary is stationary itself no i'm just kidding um <laughs> or sunny delight uh unchanging yeah there you go it, yeah dude there it is. oh
2: gosh i just got the most terrible you feeling got, in my mouth you
0: immediately started
2: sweating it's weird <sighs> oh yeah oh man on that fantastic note yeah uh don't go get a sunny delight. Um, but oh, one thing I do want to mention for all of y'all that the have awesome the awesome tacos. Very well, those were great. Okay. Um, but yes, if you're in the Richmond area, uh, anytime after 11 on Tuesday through Saturday, you should hit up Trees, Tacos, and Tips on yep. uh, 18th Street, Holy just off smokes. of Main Street. Do super, yourself a Authentic really, Mexican really food
0: as well. So, you just smell the smoker from blocks away. It's great. When she said she was from California, from Mexico, I was like, can I hug you right now?
2: <laughs> I was almost like, don't throw California into it.
0: It's yeah. Like, just tell me you're from Mexico. Yeah. Because this food is so good. Yeah. And the, well, hey, listen, that's the we don't you California miss a lot about there. Mississippi. I I just miss the food. <laughs> I I understand. From you. where she makes it. That's oh, yeah. It. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, uh, shout out to one of our
2: listeners got hit up the other day uh, with a photo of none other than a bag of corn nuts that they had gotten from the 7-Eleven and he was like, "No lie. I walked in and got this came out. Turn on your podcast." And y'all were just talking crap about corn Cornuts. nuts. There it is. Like, I don't know why I get them either.
0: Yep. That's <laughs> a, there's a secret group of us. And you know, so if you, if you do, if you also partake in corn nuts, send us a corn nut image. Info yeah. at shockeratspace.com.
2: Hashtag corn shame. Yeah. Um, we love you all. You're a fantastic audience. We will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, non art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at ShacoArtspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottles.